0: You are in the perfect place at the divine time to be touched by a horse. Here's your hosts, Melissa Pierce and Dane Cheek.
1: Hey, 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 thank you again for joining me today. This is one of the podcasts that I won't have my sidekick, my sweet husband, Dane, with me today. Technical difficulties was why, but I do have my teacher's pet person on, Robert Goodland. (laughs) So thank you, Rob, for joining me for this interview. How are you today?
2: I am magnificent, Melissa. Thank you for having me.
1: Good. We're recording this in February. And so I know outside for me, it's pretty cold. You live in Wisconsin, right?
2: Yes. Very cold. It has been so cold (laughs) lately. It has been so miserable.
1: (laughs) It's winter's long. It really is. But then again, you've got those gorgeous green summers. So I I know you love it there.
2: Absolutely. So
1: one of the things I'm aware of as we're recording this is the finishing touches of your brand new indoor arena are getting put on. How exciting is that?
2: And actually, (laughs) I I just left the electrician down at the arena right now. We just got the third bank of lights hooked up. So the whole arena is lit. It is magnificent. I am excited beyond words that this dream is coming to fruition and we are truly a breath away from being done. There's just a couple more things to be done and and it will be complete.
1: So exciting. That's great. And that'll help you so much in the wintertime. But, you know, for me in Colorado, I use my indoor a lot when it's windy or almost anytime. You know, I love it. I love it shady. It's cool in the summer, warm in the winter. So it helps a ton. And it's been fun watching your indoor go up and all the stages of building it. So that's great. Yeah,
2: it's been fun to post it.
1: So you graduated from our Equine Gestalt Coaching Program. I'm going to say two years ago. Am I accurate?
2: You are 2020 January 2020.
1: 2020. 2020. Boy, none of us knew where the world was going right wow. then, did we? 20 yeah. January 2020, no. right at the edge of that pandemic. Yeah. Gosh, we couldn't have imagined. However, you persevered, kept on going, saw clients, started a group, Mm -hmm. you know, you did all the things you're supposed to do, even though we really got thrown onto Zoom, you know, for quite a while there. So again, you must be super excited now, because this spring and summer with that new indoor, you're going to be able to really get to work.
2: Through the summers here. There were times that it was too hot, it was too buggy, it was raining, and would have to reschedule clients. And to not have to do that this year will be absolutely magnificent.
1: You kind of had a special role in the pandemic for the state of Wisconsin, right? Weren't you really involved in monitoring it?
2: I had the opportunity through my retirement job. I was part of the response for the state early in, in April of 2020. And then again, once vaccine rolled out, to have a role in the distribution of vaccine throughout the state, not giving that vaccines, but helping coordinate that. So yeah, I was honored to be able to do that, to be a part of that solution, and despite the controversies uh, that go with it. But I was very honored to be a part.
1: Absolutely. We all have to do what we can when those things come along. So I know what your career was prior to coming into our program and becoming an equine gestalt coach, but help my listeners understand, what what were you doing with your dear life before that? <laughs> <laughs>
2: So my very first career was a, as a correctional officer. So I spent six years in a maximum security prison. My mom would joke; she wouldn't tell him I worked there at first. She would just say I was in prison. Right. Um, but yeah, so I did work there uh, in a maximum security prison. And then during that time, I was a volunteer firefighter and EMT. And then in 1992, I turned and made that my career. So I became a career firefighter and then EMT and advanced that up to paramedic to the paramedic level. So. I retired from that career as a, a lieutenant and a paramedic and a full-time
1: fire department. That's awesome. And thank you for doing that. And I wonder about that level of service in our society. It just feels so honored to know people that have been willing to do that because in your worst mm-hmm. day, you reach for people like you to help you through it and get you through it. And I've had Mm. the privilege of hearing some of your stories up close and personal from that time. And gosh, yeah, people Mm -hmm. were very fortunate to have you and your big heart helping them. So you bet. Thank you. you.
2: I was truly honored to be able to make a difference each day that I went to work. It was a difficult career and I was honored to do it.
1: So what I don't remember, and I should remember, but I don't remember what had you decide to come into EGC. So we met through a mutual friend. Larry Freeborg, but what kind of had you say that's the program for me? That's my next step.
2: So, yeah, Larry, love Larry. So, he was simply a chain in a sequence of events that I can say it was nothing other than grace and the universe. Larry was the second. Person, the third time that somebody at the universe knocked on my door and said, hey, you really need to meet Melissa Pearson. You really need to look at the Touched by a Horse program because it was one of our other dear friends and graduates from your program that first spoke to me, Stacy, Dr. Bean. When she started the program, she was a horsemanship student of mine and she knew my background. She knew my past and what I had been through. And she also knew how I liked and loved dealing with people. So she said that I should do. It, I poo-pooed it. Then she came back to me again after she when she was graduating and said, No, Rob, you don't understand. You really need to do this. And then I was a little more interested. And then Larry came knocking on my door, (laughs) wanting to use my horses, and then said, Well, you should really be a coach. And I'm like, Yeah, that does sound kind of intriguing. What do you think I should do? And he says, Well, you need to talk to my friend Melissa Pierce. And I went, Wait, that name sounds familiar. And then I literally went to my bookshelf and found your card deck on my bookshelf and I had no idea even where it came from. I think it was a white <laughs> elephant gift from somewhere and I'm like okay that's the final straw. Fine, I'll take the I'll take it. The universe just keeps knocking. And so so that's why I chose to take it.
1: Oh, that's a great story. And you know, I know Stacy really well. And I know you two knew each other. But I guess the reason I thought of Larry was because the first time I met you in person, we were on my Arizona ranch. And Larry knocks on my front door, and you're standing there with him. And that's when I first met you. So that's why I probably imprinted in my head like a horse. (laughs) Yeah, he picked
2: me up at the airport. Yeah.
1: So without divulging more than you want to divulge to a podcast crew, how would you put in words, I guess you know this, Rob, but I really encourage, I don't encourage, I I think I'm pushier than that. I probably insist (laughs) (laughs) that all of our coaches do their personal work, right? You can't, in my world, you can't be a lifeguard and you don't know how to swim. You know, it's not going to work. You need to actually sit in a hot seat, do your personal work in order to really clean your own stuff up so that when you sit with somebody else, you're in a much more solid place to deal with what they're bringing up. So for you, what was that process like? And how did it change things for you?
2: Oh, and I so appreciate you saying that was so kind of you to say that you encourage.
1: Yeah, I insist. Because
2: that's just such a very polite way of saying, yeah, no, it's, it's a must. You have to. And it's really not a choice. You have to. But you know, for me personally, honestly, and and kind of all joking aside, once I learned what you were about and what your program was about, I knew this was something for me personally that I needed to, I had to do. It's not a needed to do It was at a point in my life where I had things that had to come out. I was aware enough about myself that I knew that these things were having negative impacts and negative influences in all of my relationships across the board. So I knew this had to happen. And truthfully, I was terrified. Um, a lot of these traumas that went in, they went in to me one at a time. Without trying to be over dramatic, I felt like some of them were going to kill me going in. They were so painful. And now I had all of these things built up that I now was going to go to a program that I knew I needed to do my own work. And you and I, in my very first call, um, when we did our intake call together, I told you I was terrified. I said, these things went in one at a time and they almost killed me. What happens if they all come out at once? And that was my fear. My very first quarter with you was at your Arizona ranch and. I truly sat there terrified that if all this stuff comes out at once, it's just going to, it'll break me. And uh, you were so kind in how it came out and the way that you mined it the way that you went there, and it was a beautiful experience and how they came out. Thank you.
1: Yeah, minded is a good way of saying it. I'm, I'm careful to pull out what your physical body and your brain and everything wants to show first. And so if that's a small thing, that's great. If it's a large thing, that's great. But we really don't push the client past where they can go, you know, in that moment, which you now know as, as a EGC coach but but, at that time, as a client, I can imagine you knew the river behind the dam you had built, how big it was
2: and you were you know in, in all fairness, you were still a stranger to me. I knew that I connected with you, I knew that at some level I, at some level, I knew I could trust you, but you were still a stranger when we sat down that very first time we 'd had one phone call. And, man, you were so compassionate. You were so kind. I could not have asked for a better experience for And my very first piece of work was one of my biggest pieces of work. Um, one of the biggest things that I had going on for me.
1: Which, as the listeners don't know, but you know, I don't know what clients are going to bring up. I don't have your, I don't take a history before. I don't ask you here, tell me what happened to you, and then I'll decide what order we're going in. I really trust the process of the client in the gestalt to unfold it as they need to. And that moment, I remember that piece of work in Arizona, and you didn't have a choice where that was going. That was what was coming up as the thing that was poking at you the most in that moment. Yeah. 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 And that was,
2: I mean, I I don't hide it. I mean, that was, I was sexually assaulted as a child Mm -hmm. and by a, by a man. And that was the piece of work that just really needed to come vomiting out.
1: Yeah.
2: And, And we did, and we went there and, and yeah, that was the start of everything.
1: I would say you were a child who was groomed by a pedophile. That's you were groomed by a predator, you know, so it wasn't a random thing. It was something he intentionally set out to perpetrate on children. Yeah, really rough. And yeah, and so then one of the beliefs I have, and please be candid and tell me if this has been accurate for you, but one of the beliefs I have and what's kept me, going in Gestalt and what's kept me being a lifelong career in it is from my own experience with it. When I would do a piece of work with my Gestalt therapist, what I was surprised about was it kind of closed it up in a way. And I I didn't have nightmares about it anymore. I didn't have painful thoughts. I didn't, I didn't need to talk about it. It wasn't bugging me. You know, it was really truly done. There might've been what I call ancillary situations like, well, how come the adults in my life didn't deal with that, you know, or whatever. But the actual, where I say lightning struck, the actual trauma was really released and gone and peaceful. And so did you experience anything like that?
2: Absolutely. Beyond a doubt. The way that I would describe it as that edges were taken off of it. It wasn't as stabbing anymore. I could, for the first time, think about it, talk about it, feel it, experience it, and not have it be a devastating experience to even mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally go there. It also showed itself in, um, for my case, because my abuser was a male, I've lived my adult life with no male friends. And and that was because I couldn't trust. And I will tell you in looking at what's happened since you and I did that very first piece of work, I'm in a guitar group. I, I love to play guitar and I play with some other guys. This coming weekend, I'm going on a men's retreat in Arizona. There'll be 23 other guys. I have been able to begin cultivating male friendships, which I didn't realize I wasn't doing because of the things and how the original trauma was affecting me. So the fact that my life has been able to move beyond the assault and and really reframe the assault in a a way that now, if I say I'm grateful for it, some people are going to take that the wrong way. However, I now have the ability to work with people that have been sexually assaulted and I can come from a place of knowing and understanding. I'm not in confluence. I'm not in the river with them because you and I have done a lot of work around it. So I have been able to spend time with them, not feeling that, but yet empathizing versus sympathizing. So mm-hmm. yeah, it's just, it's made a tremendous impact. That's
1: great. I, I mean, I know one of your friends, people, the listeners have gotten to know is Dane. So my husband, Dane, and being able to just laugh and joke around and flip burgers on the barbecue and have good male bonding time feeling safe, you know, that's that's not what your prior existence was for sure. Absolutely. Yeah. You had also, and who wouldn't, right? With that number of years in the profession that you were in before as an EMS, is it fair to say that most, in your estimation, would you say most people who were in service as either an ambulance driver, a paramedic, an emergency room physician, you know, fireman, policeman, they're on the front lines, right? Of a lot of trauma, even though the trauma, they think of it as the client's the one having the trauma, they're traumatized. Too, you know, by what they witness and see. Is that a fair statement?
2: It's extremely fair. Yeah, there's a price that is paid. That's the way that I've described it. I loved what I did as a career, I did pay a price. We pay a price.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I remember a piece of work you and I did kind of about that. And at the bottom or the end of the piece of work, it was uh, having you experience what you experienced the day of a particular wreck as the professional that you were trained to be, which a lot of people end up in this profession. And as a professional, you have triage duties. Your brain is thinking what needs to be done. I mean, the client comes first, right? All the way through it. But your human self also paid a price for that. And your human self also witnessed what happened. And so I always think of you as uniquely trained in my work for people who have careers in EMS work. If, if they've been an emergency worker of any type and Wisconsin seems like a long way to go, it's not, you know, go in the summer, don't go see him in the winter, but, <laughs> but truly go in to see you. Somebody who's been there, done that himself, has experienced it, and then has also the ability to hold space in this professional way alongside your horses to release that. I just can't think of a healthier thing for somebody's physical body, mental health, emotional health, and every different way. Absolutely. And I know that's one of your focuses. Are you also seeing clients, especially male clients, of sexual assault? Is that something else you're putting out there in the world?
2: I'm absolutely putting it out there. We are kind of a unique group. Um, Being men and men that have been sexually assaulted, oftentimes I'm finding that doesn't come up in conversation too much, um, but it's absolutely out there. I'm working with people in recovery. so I'm, I'm also a recovering alcoholic and so I' I'm, I'm currently seeing several clients that are new in recovery. and sexual assault is such a piece of that uh, when we get into substance abuse and I believe that to be male and female.
1: Well you and I think all of my graduates are trained in being non-judgmental, being in the moment not trying to fix anything, not trying to tell somebody how they should think, how they should feel at all. And for our listeners if there's someone listening that maybe is a guy and he thinks so well, maybe this is a guy I could reach out to, I 100% guarantee you you could. <laughs> You're going to hit a non-judgmental, very confidential, very safe very emotionally sound person in Rob to go to and to really explore what is the aftermath of that. You know, I experienced this when I was 11 years old. Is there aftermath? Is it changing my adult life today? And more than just bugging me, right? It does have a profound effect on things that we do.
2: Yeah, it really truly does.
1: Kind of outside of our awareness. Yep. You planning any retreats for EMS people or for survivors or anything like that this summer in your new fancy, fancy ass horse arena? Yeah. <laughs>
2: I, I've got a couple things in the works and I'm hoping to go see our friend June this coming year. She wants us to do a men's retreat, all men's retreat and she's also interested in men that have horse experience. So that that clientele, that group is even smaller yet.
1: Oh, nice.
2: Men with men, you know, that are experienced riders. So,
1: yes. And, and want to do
2: this kind of work.
1: You're saying up at Bonanza yep, Creek? Yeah, up at Bonanza yeah, Creek. She yeah. wants
2: us to do a men's retreat. Good. So, yep, we are in contact negotiations on that and also looking at another retreat, possibly in a much warmer climate.
1: Well, I do my retreats up there in the summertime and June is another grad of our program and they are a sixth generation cattle ranch. Uh, They actually came to America from the Netherlands and were sheep farmers and then transferred into Angus. They run about 6,000 Angus on their ranch each year and it's uh, 35,000 acres with BLM and their own ranch land combined in there. It is gorgeous. Some of the prettiest riding things that I've ever done has been on that ranch. So very, very fun. I'm glad you're gonna do that. I'm up there in July and looking forward to it.
0: Touched by a Horse offers three comprehensive programs giving you the ability to have the career you've always dreamed about. Working in partnership with the Magic of Horses. Our equine facilitator program provides you with the skills to build a thriving business, hosting group experiences with horses.
1: So, your website is theheartofahorse.com. Heart of the Heart of a Horse. The Heart of Awesome. So, tell our listeners just a little bit about your horses. I've seen photos, I've followed, I stalk you on Facebook and all that. Perfect. But tell me a little bit about your horses that are partnering with you in this work. Yeah,
2: thank you. And and I, I just get the biggest grin on my face whenever somebody says, Hey, tell me about your horses. I'm like, Oh, do you got a couple hours? <laughs> um, so I right now I have five horses that I partner with at varying levels of training and personality and strengths. I still have my very first horse. I get into horses a little bit late in life. I was forty when I got my first horse and then I hit the instructional like learning. I knew I had so much to learn. And so I followed a program for a number of years and really poured myself into that. So I got a lot of experience pretty quickly. And so my very first horse is is an Appaloosa gelding, and he doesn't give anything away easy. He just he he really has made me work and earn it. He was a great teacher, and he was also extremely patient. He didn't kill me when he probably should have, and he's really tolerated a lot because he was with me when I really truly knew nothing, and and now I know just a little bit. But he's been very patient with me. The horse. I'm spending the most time with now is Annie who is a foundation Morgan mare that came out of a rescue and she is boy I don't know what she was before she was a horse but she was something because she has a personality that is so large and so beautiful and she herself is just gorgeous she has been doing some just beautiful beautiful work with clients she shows up in the most remarkable
1: way nice now is that the palomino mare yeah is that annie the little palomino yeah she's really cute yeah Yeah, she's something yeah she's cute yeah everybody
2: that meets her just instantly falls in love with her
1: nice and your other three are they
2: yep Bo is a is another horse that i i got because i was going to do some more cattle work and he ended up with a, a, a lameness, but I just loved him so much I didn't want to get rid of him. I can't do what I want to do with him, but he has shown up for clients in a remarkable way as well. Um, I've got one young lady that is in her early stages of training. She and I had to have a bit of a discussion. Well, actually, she discussed. I listened. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, I came off. And a few surgeries oh. <laughs> later, um, but I can't get rid of her. She's, she, there's something about her. Uh, so I, she's one that I'm going to need some help with. That's Sage. She's my newest to the herd. Yeah. And Coda is a, a quarter horse buckskin gelding that is just, yeah, trail horse, Fun to play with because he's a little pushy. So when I've got students that need to learn boundaries and their horsemanship, I will give them Coda because he will try to push the boundaries. So he's somebody that Mm -hmm. can help people learn Mm -hmm. how to set boundaries with horses. So yeah, I've I've got a great herd right now of, of five.
1: That's terrific, and it's fun to have different ones because, as you know, in the work that you've learned through me, they all have different essential gifts. They all have something to offer humans in healing, and we do believe it's their choice. It's not something they should. To be trained to do or told to do or bossed into doing or anything else but that sounds like a great group to really have your clients have a variety a menu from you of what they need so that's that's amazing it's really good. And
2: I, I start the sessions I go out and I ask I ask them between me and them who wants to work today, who would like to show up who's who's feeling it and and I do my best to honor that.
1: Was there anything and I didn't prepare you for this question at all but was there anything coming from Where you were learning about horses and horsemanship, was there anything you learned in our EGC program about horses that you found enlightening or or you just had never seen horses that way?
2: I would say that what I learned through the EGC program further supported what I already knew and it deepened it. I knew for me personally that horses were sentient beings before I knew absolutely, before I even owned a horse, I knew that they were sentient beings. I had somebody ask me when I when I put the bug out to my people that knew horses or had horses, hey, I'm looking for my first horse. And they honestly, they said, what are you looking for? And I said, I don't know. I just want the relationship. I just want the connection. Those are the words I used. So, I mean, that was where I came from as I went into it. So when I got involved with a program and began learning from other people, I was, what resonated with me was kindness, compassion, and and that kind of thing. What I learned from the EGC program was that there was so many more levels underneath that that horses and the the manner and the way in which horses so beautifully show up in this work and how it's almost as though there's not really words that a client can put to how they feel when they're with a horse. They just feel it. I've had clients come back. I had a client reference something that happened in a session about eight months ago. And she referenced it. She had to go to court with her abuser. And she she wrote back and she said, Bo was right there with me. I felt Bo standing behind me, which is what he did. He stood behind her and didn't move. And he just allowed her to lean on him. And she said, I could feel him behind me.
1: I always say you never, you never forget what a twelve hundred pound animal teaches you. Exactly, how they show up and they where they are. Up. It's it's yeah. an experience. You never forget it. Yep. Thank you.
2: So the Thank just you. it was a deepened, heightened awareness of just how amazing these these and why and it's just incredible to me that why they wanna hang with us because they're so far above us. So
1: <laughs> absolutely. Well anything else in general, anything I haven't asked you, anything you want to share with our listeners before we close? Anything from your heart?
2: Oh, my gosh. Well, if, if you are a listener to this podcast, first off, thank you. If you are somebody that is considering the EGC program, it is for me, it was a case of, and as you know, you mentioned, Melissa, doing my own work, it was absolutely life changing for me. My, my world is better. My relationships are deeper because of the work that you and I have done. I so value the friendship that you and I have have developed, I can't even begin to tell you how important that is to me. And I I marvel every time that I'm in a group, like when we're at CORE or we're at camp, and I I sit back and I look at what you have created in the program. And the group that we have as students and graduates of this program, it is a family beyond The the herd. And so if you're somebody that's considering taking the program for yourself, or because you do want to become a coach or both, you will not regret it. Thank
1: you. An unsolicited ad. I didn't expect that. So thank you very much. That means a great deal to me. Thank you. I want to say to our listeners too, I want to thank our sponsor. So our sponsor is HopeThroughHorses.com. And Hope Through Horses, you can get onto their website and see all the things that they do. They are a nonprofit, not connected to me personally. It is a group of our certified practitioners that got together and started a nonprofit to support populations that may need a little financial assistance to receive the work from one of our graduates. And, or if you're interested in the program and the tuition seems too steep, they give three or four sponsors per year to a semester of our program. So not everybody, but if you have good reason to need that scholarship, definitely look into Hope Through Horses and take a look at our program and see if we can assist you in that way thank you to hope through horses for sponsoring our podcast we appreciate you and thanks and hopefully you'll listen to dane and i telling some stories on me at the next adventure the next session of our podcast as well off and on we will have different people that i interview and bring on to the show and thank you rob for being my interview today appreciate you
2: i thank you melissa this was a truly an honor
1: thank you have a blessed day everybody see you again soon
0: Thank you for listening to the Touched by a Horse podcast. If you'd like more information about anything we've talked about on the show today or our certification program, please visit our website at touchedbyahorse.com. That's touchedbyahorse.com or contact our office by phone at 303-440-7125. Also, be sure to keep up with us on social media. We're at Touched by a Horse on both Facebook and Instagram. See you around the barn and on the next episode.